Critical. Critical. All right, hello, the Ottawa horse talk. <laughs> you right? I don't know what happened. <laughs> hello there, hello, Chris, and welcome to another episode of the Critical Millennial. Here's, here's a peek behind the curtain. Uh, I wake up at 8 a.m. on recording days, and I finish doing my notes, I finish doing my thoughts, I watch some, maybe, some videos that do some deep philosophy on some films or whatever, Yep. do my devos, but I also have an entire, like, French press of coffee and nothing else. <laughs> so by the time Alex gets here, I've been quiet for two and a half hours. Then he shows up, and I don't shut up. Yeah, his hands are, like, shaking when I come in the door. So. <laughs> and so when I start recording... <laughs> <laughs> Everything just comes out in a in a jumbled mess, <laughs> and I'm currently finishing coffee cup number four, um, and this cup holds like two cups. That's a big cup. This is a whoops. <laughs> my heart's gonna explode. Yeah, no Can't doubt. Stop, won't stop until my heart stops. <laughs> but anyway, on today's episode, Alex is going to set a fire. Yeah, um, this one might. And what's really funny is that the film is. Uh, not fire at all. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I didn't want to spoil it. I, yeah, I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, but then we're also going to run down our personal top five films each of 2019. Um, 2019, man, it was just like the year that didn't seem like it was going to end. I know. It went on for two years yeah. at least. <laughs> Wait. It was like Return of the King. It just would not end. It just end. keeps going. <laughs> I'm still not over the fact that Return of the King would not end. <laughs> Ruined the whole movie, the fact that it wouldn't end. Anyway, <laughs> usually around this time of year, all of the all other movie podcasts are doing a top ten or reviews of uh, top ten films from like Time Magazine or AMC Theaters or like Vanity Fair, but not us. Nope. There's two of us, and I saw 30 films this year. Plus, one extraordinary one on Netflix, and one that's not a film, that is just poop. Um, <laughs> so, because there's two of us, that would mean talking about 20 films? Yeah, we can't do that's that. That's a lot. But Alex, how many films did you see in theater this year? I don't know. I, I it, it had to be... It's less than you, because a lot happened this year. I got married, you, got you know? Married. So you got married, you graduated? Graduated, yeah. I saw a lot of movies, but mm-hmm. I don't know how many went to the theater to see. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so then if you add in like Netflix, Amazon Prime, or Disney+, Plus, how many did you see? Probably at least forty new movies. New movies, <laughs> well, like new to you, too, new to me. Well. It doesn't right, necessarily right. mean it came out. This exactly, year. exactly. Because mm-hmm. going by that, I saw I saw about sixty-five. Yeah, yep, mm. that makes sense. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow, I saw that many in theaters in twenty. I was gonna say so. That's like Movie Pass did that yeah, for me. That's average sauce for you. 20, 2018 was the year I saw 60, 65 <laughs> movies in theaters. Not nearly enough. Not oh, no. There was a time. <laughs> side note: There was a time. In 2018, where I would go to the local theater down the street yeah. every day. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I had movie pass. Yeah. And they would be like, what are you seeing today, Kyle? I was like, oh, I've seen everything but this one. And it was like, I forget, it was like this really random foreign film <laughs> that like had a three-day release. And I was like, I might as well see it. I got time. You caught the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Oh, my gosh. So we watched a lot of movies. But anyway... Yeah. Um, we're going to do a top five from each of us, so that way we don't spend an entire podcast just talking mm-hmm. about film. We want to actually get into what the Lord potentially taught us this year through Definitely. the films that we saw, and maybe potentially what we're looking forward to in 2020. So anyway, let's get this countdown started. Woo. 
critical millennial. Alex, before we jump right into these top fives personally, do you have any shout outs you want to make? Any films that you're like, yes, or video games? Because yeah. you play a lot of video games. Yeah. So there's two big, there's two movies that I really want to shout out. Um, my one is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I like Quentin Tarantino, but I think the reason I like this movie is more so movie as a movie mm. because I like old Hollywood. I think I like some of those classic pictures. I didn't like it. Yeah, I, and I understand why people don't, but I think that um, uh, Leo and um, Brad right. Pitt. I think Brad Pitt gave an incredible performance right under. Ad Astra, but um, I think I just like it. I think I enjoyed it just because I like movies and I like those older movies. The other one I want to shout out, which I know this one you haven't seen and you probably will never see, is The Irishman. But I, the more I think about that movie, I watched it with my dad. I've seen almost all the Martin Scorsese movies with my dad, the gangster ones, and we watched that one together. So you didn't watch Wolf of Wall Street with your father? I, I did, definitely did not. <laughs> um, but. That was a good bonding moment, I think, for my dad and I, um, just to be able to sit down and watch that together. But the more I think about it, it's like, I think a lot about how it talks about life and, like, the way that we use our time. I think there's there's some good messages in the movie. Um, but I don't want to dwell on that too much. Two video games I want to shout out. I played, uh, I played Resident Evil 2 Remake, which was terrifying. It is so good. And the thing is... I just played it recently, and I only played the Leon story. Claire's so, is so much better. Is it different? It's different, and it's so much better. Okay. I didn't know if it was... Di I never played the original, and I don't know if her story is different than Leon's, or if it just swaps out the characters. It's, it's very different, and it's ten times better. Awesome. Okay, I'll try that. I'm going to do that next, obviously. Mm -hmm. So that was... That that was awesome, and then I have to shout out Jedi Fallen Order because I am a Star Wars fan, and that game was, I felt like a Jedi in that movie, that game. <sighs> I loved it. It was hard. I got whooped on many times by just regular stormtroopers, but by the end, I was throwing lightsabers and stabbing people and cutting heads off. It was awesome, <laughs> as much oh. as as terrifying as that sounds. But those are the. Like I said, I didn't see many movies in theaters, but those are two big ones that yeah. I really wanted to shout out. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to toss it to you, Kyle, though. Let's, okay. let's hear yours. Um, I actually played a fair amount of video games for myself this year. I found more time to just do the, do those things. Resident Evil 2, mm -hmm. I, the remake, this is the first time I played a Resident Evil game. Loved it. Yeah. I played it alone in a house <laughs> in the middle of the woods at night. Really? Yeah. Ooh, scary. That is scary, terrifying. Scary yeah. to me. Uh, Fire Emblem... Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, no. Here we uh, the go. Reformed Gamers called me out in their podcast because <laughs> I've played it for over 110 hours. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I'm God. not done. Kyle talks about this game nonstop. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. It's just so good. So those those two games. Films, though, I need I need to shout out um, that just are outside my top, my top five. Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels is my number seven film of 2019. Because really? it is the most fun I had at the movies oh, okay. in years. It is the most fun I've had in a long time just sitting down and watching a movie yeah. in theaters. So much fun. Yeah. Ugh, and it breaks my heart that there will not be another one because it's made no money. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't. Ugh. Ugh. Us. Jordan I forgot Peele, that came out Jordan this Peele's year. Us. If you have not seen Us, you are missing out on one of the best horror films in a long time. And it is one of the best, actually, horror political films in a mm, while. It I think, is. to me, yeah. it's kind of like what The Purge wished it could have oh, totally. resonated with. And Lupita Nyong'o 
And the entire main cast of those four people give performances that are so, just so intriguing. Yeah. And and done well. Yeah. Um, Uncut Gems. Mm. It would be probably my number ten. Uh, if I was making a top ten. Um, I don't want to say anything about it other than it's the most claustrophobic and frustrating movie in a long time. <laughs> in a good way. Perfect. Um, and Ad Astra. Ad Astra <laughs> is the most beautiful looking film that came out in 2019 and no one cares about it. Nobody does. And it is a story about the sins of the father following a son for his whole life and how the son has to overcome what his father did. Mm. And it is so good. It is and, good. And Brad Pitt, is that's, that's his best performance ever. It's it's incredible. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's great. Mm-hmm. It's good. But Brad Pitt and Ad Astra, oh my gosh. Yeah. Is so just, so good. Yeah. And I want to make an actor shout out. Ooh. I want to make an actor shout out to Florence Pugh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yes, she was in Midsummer, And we've talked about Midsummer right. quite a few times. Don't go see Midsummer, right. or just like watch it up until the last twenty minutes. You'll know when to stop watching <laughs> yeah. it because she's so good in that. She's incredible. Also, man. she was in Fighting with My Family that came out oh. this year. She's in like five films that came out this year, and she's not being recognized for any of her performances. Yeah. and I'm going to talk about her again a little later. But Florence Pugh is the actor of the year. That's that's awesome. She is the actor of the year, and she'll get no awards for no, it. No, she won't. Yeah, but. Gosh dang! Yeah. So those those are my those are my shout outs there. Wait, I forgot a movie, Kyle. Oh no! Knives Out. I just want to say I love that. I, I had a lot we'll of fun there. watching that movie. We'll get there. Okay, I, that's in my that's in my uh, honorable mentions. Okay, though. fine. I forgot. Sorry. Ugh. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You clearly hated Knives Out. <laughs> Jerk. Critical. Alright, Alex, it's time to begin probably one of the hardest lists I make all the time of my my favorite films that come out each year. So, starting with you, what is your number five film of 2019? Yeah, so... Uh, mine, I'm, I'm still bouncing between two. I think my number five is Ad Astra. So you liked it more than I did, apparently. I guess so, which I'm surprised because I thought you, you really liked this movie. But I, after thinking about it, it sits with me. Like Brad mm. Pitt has an incredible performance here that like grips my emotions to the core. Yeah, um, it's a science fiction movie that abandons the classic seeking to understand where we come from and really pushes the fact that we have to understand with what we have now and like mm. kind of like the mm. the people that we have now. Yeah. Um, and his character's struggle with his abandonment of his father, um, that's something that's huge to be said. And the fact that he's cleaning up his father's crap, mm-hmm. which it's just, there's so much weight that that holds. And like, I only have a few minutes to talk, so I can't keep going. But the thing is, nothing, there's, nothing stops him from actually getting to his father, even though he's cleaning up his crap. And then when he gets there, it's kind of just like, one, it's disappointment. And two, it's almost like I came all the way out here for him to to fix this, and I realize now that I need to go home and be with the people that are with me now. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a huge talking point to the biblical application. Luke fifteen talks about the prodigal son and the coming back. Yeah. Um, 
that if when you come back to your father, when you come back to the Lord, he will receive you with open arms. Oh, yeah. And I think that's something to attest to, that our father will not be a disappointment, mm-hmm. but he is he is amazing and he will show you what the truth is. And First Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. The weight and the reality of having the family and the people that you do now, mm-hmm. God wants us to understand that that is important to yeah. him. That's all I can say about Ad Astra right now. So, mm. Kyle, what's your number five? My number five, my number five when I told you it surprised you, is Knives Out. It, yeah, it My number five, me. it's not indie enough for me to love <laughs> it. Um, but no, Knives Out is my, my number five because it deals with so much more than just a whodunit. It goes from a whodunit to why it was done. And, and it moves in that direction while so intricately subverting all genre aspects, all character aspects, as well as like political aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Ryan Johnson is an incredible filmmaker. I think that he is an expert at subversion and revealing to you greater depths of what you, not just what you want out of a film to say to you, but what, what potentially is needed for a film to say to you. And, and it has, to me, the most heartbreaking scene of 2019 mm-hmm. is when the main woman played by Ana de Armas realizes something so profound that happened. And then they play out the rest of the film with that knowledge. I we could I could spoil it right here and be fine because like it's podcast is what we do. Right. But I won't. Because yeah. you need to experience this film the way Ryan Johnson intended you to. And it doesn't matter if it's what screen it's on. It just it just that you look at this story and you look at these characters and you look at what he's saying in that like also it has a lot to do with immigration and immigrants and jobs as well as working hard for work worth doing and caring for your loved ones and old money versus new money and like the people we love are the people that take care of us and that we take care of in return yeah and it's it's so much more than a who done it and why it was done. It's a look what we're doing as a society to each other. Mm. And that's why I love Knives Out. And that's why it, it really is surprising to Alex that. <laughs> but now probably hearing me say that, you're like, oh, yeah. I understand yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, you, get it, it. you get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Those are our number fives. Yes. So something quite serendipitous happened with our number fours. Um, it's the same movie. It we is. didn't we didn't plan this. Nope. So Alex, what is our number four? Joker. Joker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which is on a lot of people's lists as like Vanity Fairs and like Time and a lot of people I've just spoken to and a lot of YouTubers, it's like their number one. Right. Or number two. Yeah. But it's our number four. Yeah. Yeah. I this I think the thing that blew me away movie is a movie is the fact that this movie feels like it's made with a small budget and it's mm-hmm. like an indie production, yeah. but so many people saw it and it was mm-hmm. on a scale that was like, as a marketing scale that was just not small. Yeah. And the universe that it pulls from is not mm-hmm. small, you yeah. know? Yeah. But it feels intimate mm-hmm. and it feels like you're following a long character that addresses mental illness as well as societal concerns, mm-hmm. as well as the future of where our our world is going kind of mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Especially our nation. Yeah, it it's it talks about big topics for a comic book franchise. Yeah, yeah, 
And that's honestly the same things I love about it. You know, every performance is spectacular. We've talked about the color palette and why things were chosen the way they were done. I've mentioned it before. We have an entire podcast episode about this. So if you really want to know why we love Joker, um, go listen to our Joker episode. It's called The Joke Was On Us. (laughs) Um, But there's so much to say about this film that we just can't because of time, because we have other movies to talk about. Right. Um, but Joaquin Phoenix will, I hope, um, he's already won a Golden Globe by the time we're recording this, but I will hope that he uh, receives receives the highest award possible for an actor, that being an Oscar for this. Right. Um, but yeah, there's really not much to say other than like it's about society, it's about where we're going as a nation, it's about the systemic issues of class and race and gender yeah. and jobs. Um, that are that's happening in America now. Yeah, it's about the eradication of the middle class, mm. um, and now it's just you either can afford everything in life or you can afford nothing. Yeah, um, it's a and it and it takes place in what seventies. Yeah, something like that. And it has the most visceral violence to be put to film. Right. But it's not a violent. Film. It's not ultra violent. It's right. not uber violent. But the violent violence holds weight. It holds so much weight. Yeah. It's a weighty film. Uh, there, yeah. I, I would like to speak into a little bit just the the biblical aspect of it go, too. Yeah, um, the, we talked a little bit about in the podcast, and I encourage you to go listen to that one where we mm-hmm. talk about it. But just kind of like the personal aspect of Arthur's character and the fact that he is crying out for help. He he is seeking help, and yet nobody seems to offer it. Right. And how many people s- face that every day now? Whew. And Christ offers, like, redemption through mm-hmm. that, you know? Like, imagine if Arthur was given love. Mm-hmm. What, where would his character have gone? What would it have looked mm-hmm. like? And I think that is a significant aspect. That's something huge that yeah. I took away when I left it's that Something movie. that I've been thinking about, I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters, yeah. but that's been permeating my mind is that in our Bible study, we've been going through 1 Corinthians, and we just finished uh, chapters 8, 9, and 10, which is all about yielding your rights for the sake of the gospel and loving your neighbor as yourself and more important than yourself and making sure like the end of of first corinthians 10 is about basically paul saying it's not about you Mm. which is the message of dr strange exactly um but like as i as i think about joker and how selfish every single character is but him Mm. arthur's not a selfish man yep he's trying to take care of his mom and that's all he ever wanted to do, is right. take care of his mom and make people laugh. Arthur's life was never about himself until he saw no way out. Until the world pushed or the world around and pushed him in that direction. Until all these selfish megalomaniacs um, that are running Gotham mm-hmm. pushed him that far. Yep. And it goes to show of like, what if, what if the rich lived like they were last? Yeah. How much different would society be? Mm. What if our government lived like they were actually last? Yeah. What if our talk show hosts lived like they were mm. last? But more importantly, what if Christians actually lived like they were last? Amen. Yeah. How would our society change? Amen. And that's a lot of what I've been thinking about as the more I think about Joker. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joker's awesome. Joker's awesome. We have an episode about it. Uh, it actually is out on DVD very soon. Yeah, it so should be. pick it up, watch it. You'll appreciate it. <laughs> Alex, what's your number three? All right, yeah, so this 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 number three is something I wouldn't have expected to be up here. And I saw it two days ago, and I was like, it's in my top five. So, wow, yeah. So, um, Little Women, 
is in my top five. It's my number three. And this movie, it took my heart and it gave it a big hug as well as it stomped on it. And then it gave it another big hug again. I loved it. Um, the Greta Gerwig, she just is a phenomenal director. Like, I just, I have nothing else to say besides that. She's just incredible. And the use of colors, the warm colors for when um, Joe is looking back on her past and when she's a child and she's loving her life. And then when she's looking, at, when it comes back to modern time and it's all cool colors and life's not where she exactly wants it, but she she's thinking back to where she was. It's just good stuff. Um, and Joe's character, who is, if you've never seen any Little Women or Red Little Women, she's like, the main character in the sisters and what's her name? Saoirse Ronan. She is just, she, her acting is just incredible. Like there's this thing when she starts crying, her nose gets all red. And then my eyes started tearing up whenever I, cause I knew she wasn't trying to cry, but I was like, just cry, just do it. And, um, there's one scene towards the end. I'm going to spoil it. I don't really care if you've seen it or not. I'm still going to spoil it. I mean, as Little Women, I think we're and the people, only two people. in the world. Like, yeah. <laughs> this is our first foray into Little Women. Didn't yeah. see any of the other three. Right. And didn't read the classic American novel. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's talking about how she knows that she's a woman. And in this time, women don't have much power when it comes to, like, class systems and stuff like that. But she's a woman. And she's got a, she has a heart, but she also has a mind. And she's smart. And she knows what she wants to do. She's aspirational but she doesn't have anybody in her life because she's the only one of her sisters that's either not married or is not living with her family or some that doesn't have somebody of interest and she's lonely and I just want to give her a hug and though they accent so hard that women have they have brains and they're smart and they have aspirations just like everybody else she still is lonely and she still wants to get married and she still wants to be with people and I think that says a lot to the biblical nature of marriage and things like that. But I wish I could keep talking about it, but I can't. So I'm going to throw it to you, Kyle, before I start crying. Um, <laughs> what is your number three? My number three is a teeny tiny little film. It's so indie that it covers the fact that a lot of my top five are not indie films. Um, <laughs> but it's The Lighthouse, starring Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, directed and written by the same guy who did The Witch, or as I like to say, The Vavitch. <laughs> Um, because that's how we style it. Like, dude, come on. Um, but the lighthouse is just simply, it's two guys working on a lighthouse and it's shot with old timey, um, aspect ratios. And so the screen is cut off and it's shot in black and white. There's not a lot of dialogue till there's a lot of dialogue. Um, but it is about like, there's some Greek myths tossed in there. There's some, there's some biblical aspects. Like we're thinking through like, okay, what is... God, what happens when we see God? Will we die? Will we, like, because Willem Dafoe's character is the only character that's allowed in the light portion of the lighthouse, and he's always joyous and full of energy, and, like, it fills him to see the light. And then Robert Pattinson, at the end, sees the light and dies. And so it's like, what is being hidden from us by our pastors or by people that, like, are closer to God? And, like, those are things I was pulling out of it, as well as, like, the Greek of Prometheus, um... And something, I forget the other P name, they're very close to Prometheus and something else, but Prometheus climbs Mount Olympus and then gets tied down to a rock for doing that, and then every day an eagle comes and snatches out one of his organs. That's mm. one of the Greek things, and that's what happens to Robert Pattinson's character, too, is, like, mm. climbs the lighthouse after killing Willem Dafoe and, like, goes insane and goes blind, and the, the last shot of the film is Robert Pattinson lying naked on a beach with 
with uh, seagulls tearing out his organs. Wow. And so, like, it's just this really incredible questioning of religion, questioning of society, questioning of, like, where does power come from and who has it, as well as, like, how do we run from and can we run from and hide who we truly are? Wow. Because that's what Robert Pattinson's doing the whole time. Wow. I'm V excited to see this. You're V excited to see this film. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it is the most indie of all indies that came out in 2019, um, and probably the most pretentious. <laughs> but I enjoyed every second of it because it challenged me as a watcher to just sit and watch something in black and white, shot with a smaller aspect ratio, and then it was hard to understand sometimes what they were saying because they went so hardcore into the dialect. Oh, wow. That I was like, I don't know what you just said for the past two minutes, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> also, you're Willem Dafoe. I was going to say, it's pretty much the same, yeah. <laughs> but Robert Pattinson, it is, it is, this is his greatest performance ever put to screen. And he's only getting better. Nice. Can't wait to see him as Batman and in Christopher Nolan's Tenant. Yep. Um, but the fact that he is being snubbed for awards across the board for giving us every single human emotion possible in less than two hours genuinely <laughs> hands down yeah. Robert Pattinson's best the best I think male performance I think it's better than Joaquin Phoenix's Joker really oh yeah wow like if it was Joaquin getting an Oscar or Pattinson getting an Oscar I choose Pattinson but because I want I want superhero films to so like at least stories of superhero relation right. or adjacent yeah. to start getting respect more yeah I want Phoenix to have it, but Robert Pattinson also deserves it. So can we have a tie, please? I would nice. give them both an Oscar. That's and awesome. That's not because I'm a millennial. Yeah, yeah. That's because they're that good. <laughs> Jeez, oh man, those number threes, though, dude. Yeah, mm. seriously, my heart. Critical. Critical. Alex, <laughs> we can go ahead and uh, climb upon that hot seat of yours. Yeah, well, uh, I'm going to take the... E I, mean, I have two. I have two. Okay. Make that clear. Um, and I'm going to go on the easier one before I go on the harder one. Okay. Um, so yesterday, I uh, I didn't have anything to do in the afternoon. It was like my day off. So I was like, oh, I'm going to take advantage of this time. And I'm going to go to the theater and go see a movie. And so I asked my wife, I'm like, is there any movies you want to see with me so I don't go see them? And she gave me a list, like Uncut Gems, 1917, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, the only movie that I really want to see that I haven't seen is The Grudge. And Kyle, I don't really know why I do this to myself. Um, because, I don't know why you do it either. Yeah, because this movie sucked. So, And the thing is, I watched the trailer, and I knew it was going to suck, and I still went and saw it. And I walked in, only person in the theater, they, it was the big theater, the one they reserved for, like, the new movie of the week, only one sat right in the middle with my candy, my, uh... Okay, so, well, to be fair, yesterday was a Tuesday, and you went in the afternoon. That is true, that is true. Fair enough, but, uh, <laughs> but, anyway, I sat in there with my sour punch straws, and I ate them, and, uh, I watched this movie, and this movie was one of the most boring horror movies I have ever seen in my entire life. So, the thing is, when you reboot, like, a series or something like that... You want to make it have, like, a new twist or something, right? And The Grudge has had about seven or eight versions made in Japanese and, like, well, sequels and, Japan and is stuff like that. It's, it's huge it's in Japan. It's a long story in right, Japan. Right, right. They've even had a versus movie, though, in uh, Japan. Really? I don't know if you knew that. I think it was, I think it was Ring and Grudge. Ooh. Yeah. Um, but... So it's big there. And then there's been a good number of them in America. There's been adaptations. There's three. Yeah. Um, and so they're like, let's reboot it. 
and they didn't change much here. So it's pretty much like the same story. You see the jump scares coming from about six miles away, so you know when stuff is going to happen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm picturing the, the little boy that does the meowing. Like, you're at one end of a football field, and I'm looking at you, so I see the rest of it, and I'm just seeing this little kid just, like, running. <laughs> just, like, running and meowing at you. And I'm waving. And you're just waving at it, and it's just like, meow! <laughs> now, I will say, there were some good moments of tension when John Cho was on the screen, he he's very good. I think he's a good actor. He is a good um, actor. So is Betty Gilpin. Yes. If you've never watched Glow on Netflix, Betty Gilpin is great. Yeah. and Yeah. But the thing is, John Cho's in the movie for about 10 minutes of about the mm. 93 minutes that this movie is. So wow, it's like what they do with so Bill long. Paxton when they remade The Grudge the yes, first time. Yes, yes. And Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yes. They're like, oh, Bill Paxton, Sarah Michelle Gellar. First of all, that sells what time of decade that yeah, movie was wow. released in. And the, they were the selling points, and they're both in it for like maybe, Sarah Michelle Gellar maybe 20 minutes, and exactly. Bill Paxton like five. Yep, yep. And so like John, and John, those scenes where he's in it, pretty good. But the thing is, the trailer gives away all the scary scenes, like the best scenes in the of movie. Of course. Right. So like the hand and his hair, if they didn't show that on the poster too and the trailer, it would be kind of like grudge though. Right, exactly. So I was that could have been like, oh cool, like they did that, but they showed it, so I knew it was coming. And the part when he gets pulled in the bathtub, those are the two scenes John Cho is in, and they're gone because you know it in the trailer. And everything else, writing sucks. I'm sitting there bored out of my mind because like I know that um, all these jump scares are coming. I know that uh, the girl is. This girl from this time period, and they try to make the movie super deep when they're like, everybody that comes to this house is bound together in time because of the grudging or whatever they call it that has happened in this house. Yeah, they said something like that, or the grudging or something. It was weird. It was weird phrasing. And um, that didn't make it. That This didn't make sense. And there's this one point, it might be because I've been playing Resident Evil and I just finished it, but or the first part. They tried to make a Resident Evil scene, like where it's like you're creeping around a lot of tight hallways and uh, stuff like yeah. that. It didn't work. It really, it was, it was boring. I was like, and jump scare in three, two, one. They, she turns her flashlight and there's the guy standing there. I'm like, yep, called it. Don't see this movie. I'm so glad that I was the only one in the theater, even though it was Tuesday afternoon. You're, that's a good point. But I'm so glad that I was the only one that paid $5 to see this movie. <laughs> so, and I will never see it again. And I tell, we're telling you right now. Don't see this movie, and it's not for the same reason we tell you not to see Midsummer. This movie just sucks, and it doesn't deserve money, because I think they probably want to try to make more, the way this movie ended. So, Of course they want to try to make oh, more. Oh, 100%, yeah. Duh. Yeah. Um, poor Sam Raimi, he put money into this movie. Um, poor John Cho and Betty Gilpin. Yeah, well, that was that's where all their money went. So, <laughs> so that's it. Uh, I feel like that's enough said for that movie. Yeah. So my next movie, though, in a hot seat, though... Mm-hmm. It's Frozen 2. Oh! Yeah. I haven't seen it. You know, you know, it's fine if you do, it's fine if you don't. The thing is about this movie is I don't hate it, mm-hmm. but I'm like, it was a waste of two hours that I saw it, or whatever it's it was. two hours? It might be. It felt like three um, when Oof. I was watching it. It's very boring. Um, it's the same... I'm going to spoil some of this for you, Kyle, and I don't think you'll mind. I don't care. Okay. So Adele Dazeem. Adele Dazeem. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, John. Um, so, in this movie, it's basically the same, almost the same plot as the first movie. Oh, my. You know, um, Elsa, she's got these powers. They're just, like, unrelenting. She's a superhero, basically, but they never want to say that in the first movie. And she's she has these same powers in this movie. 
And she's like, and her sister, what's her sister's name? Anna. Um, see how, see, shows you how much I remember. Um, Anna is like, no, you have to like stay safe. Like you can't go out and do adventures because I don't want you to get hurt. And Elsa's like, you're right, sister. I won't do that. And then she goes and does it. <laughs> Which is the exact same thing as the first movie. Kyle, you haven't seen the first movie. No, I haven't seen right. Frozen either. And the first Frozen, I liked... I saw it before the hype really hit, so... And I like kind of what they did with, like, the sisterhood was more important than the love story. All that stuff was fine. And then this movie, they brought the love story, and that was the most important part. The sisterhood thing they tried to do, and it was constantly just a back and forth of, Elsa, you can't do it. You'll, you'll put yourself in danger. You're right, Anna. I won't do it. I'll admit, though, I really wanted... I didn't really care to see the first Frozen. Yeah. But the trailers for this one gave me chills. Right. And that's what I thought, too. That's kind of why I wanted to see it. Yeah. And the big reason from the trailers was graphically, like, or, like, the animation is incredible. Mm -hmm. And it still is. The part where she's, like, running on the sand into the water in the trailer, in the movie, that looks really good. It looks like real water and real sand. It's pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's about it. Oh, no. Um, Songs are very subpar. Oh, what is... Uh, what's the Anna's boyfriend's name? Kristoff? Yeah. He has this one point in the movie. This is the other good point where he sings like a, he sings a song about how he can't propose to Anna. He's trying to, yeah. but Anna's being kind of like a, a butthead and she's like, she's like taking all of his words out of context, mm-hmm. which no girl ever actually does unless they're in a movie from what I've seen at least. But, um, he starts singing this song about, um, how she just won't listen to him. He wants to propose and he's trying to do it. And then it turns into like this Backstreet Boys kind of thing where there's like a spotlight and like he's doing like all these like Backstreet Boys dance moves. It was hilarious. I laughed at the whole thing. In a good way? In a good way. Okay. It was actually funny. Um, Olaf was just about as annoying in this movie though as he was in the first one. Yeah. I've never seen a Frozen, mm-hmm. but I despise Olaf. Yeah, he kind of sucks. So. Yeah, um, he dies at one point in this movie. Does he? He's resurrected. And he though. comes back, right? Because because the same thing as the first movie, Elsa almost dies in the first movie, and Anna has to save her with the love of her sisterhood. Exact same thing happens in this movie. She El- Elsa gets ahead of herself, and she gets herself frozen. She's like the queen of ice or whatever. How does that happen? Don't know, but I just disregard it at this point. And Anna, with her love and her adventure and her enthusiasm, has to go save her. Same thing as the first movie. I just don't I don't know how you make a movie and have people like it so much when you're just watching the same movie twice. I just don't get it. And the thing about the first movie is there's at least an antagonist with the boyfriend or whatever, which ends up being a surprise. This movie, it's man versus nature rather than man versus man, and it just doesn't work. The nature is there for 15 minutes in the movie, fighting back, but you just, it's not a threat because Elsa's an overpowered superhero. She can freeze anything she wants. There's no conflict. She's going out, they want to figure out what happened to their parents or whatever. It's just, it's repetitive, it's boring, the writing is just not as good, the songs aren't as memorable, Olaf still sucks, and, um... Anna is just kind of being a butt in this movie, and it's super annoying. And the part when they try to bring the conflict to full fruition, it just doesn't. Hmm. It just doesn't provide. It just doesn't give you anything that's, like, fulfilling. By the end of the movie, you're like, I feel like I watched this. There was no growth. There's no... Nothing changed. What a shame. Because they cut some great trailers. It did. And the trailers were like... I was like, dang, this is going to be like an adventure movie. Like, I was... Admitting to people is like, I actually want to see Frozen 2 because yeah. these trailers are so good. Yeah. The thing is, I know people are going to disagree with me because they like Olaf and they like the songs and they like 
Disney? Unpopular opinion. <laughs> Olaf is one of the worst things to come out of Disney. Yeah. Since maybe Captain Marvel. Yep. Um, Ooh. Is that a hot take? That's a hot take. I didn't know that. I love... I'll just go real quick, and then we'll discuss it another day. Yeah. I didn't like the Captain Marvel movie. Okay. But I love... Brie Larson and Sam Jackson's relationship as the two of them as, nice. as um, Captain Marvel and Nick Fury. I did not I really know that. enjoy that, but the in- it's very subpar. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I felt about the movie too. But I didn't know that. But that's like, how you felt. But like, I really enjoy the characters. Me too. But what they did, nah. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. It's and bad. Ben Mendelsohn with the mask that you can't talk to. Yeah. So it feels. Like, it feels like the way I feel about that is probably the way you feel about Frozen. Okay. Yeah. I just don't. I think it's one of the movies like I saw it. I didn't pay for it. My um, a family member paid for it, so I didn't have to pay Frozen for it. Frozen two. For Frozen two, yeah. Um, so th- I, but I would never pay to see it again. I don't think it's worth buying on Blu-ray. I would never add I'll it to my collection. I'll probably end up redboxing it. Just red, like I want to see it. Redbox it. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because I know people think it's like this movie's awesome, and it is not. <laughs> it is. It frustrates me that people think that this movie is as good as it is because mm. it, it is not. That's all I have to say about it, though. Just. If you're gonna see it, know it's okay. It's not gonna blow you away. That's it. Critical. Critical. All right. Well, I the, that hot seat feels good. I'm like, I'm a little chilly, but also a little warm. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have a fever. I know, right? <laughs> well, that movie gave me a fever. So, uh, you never, never, never have this Kyle, just do your number two. Do your number two. <laughs> okay, my number two film of 2019 is Bombshell. Oh, all right. Bombshell is a story about the Fox News scandals uh, that really started the Me Too movement with Gretchen Carlson. Uh, Megan Kelly and then a bunch of other uh, women at Fox News coming out and saying that um, the head of the company was sexually harassing them and tricking them into basically doing sexual favors or sexual acts to be on air. Um, and he was abusing them. And it's a true story. And this film um, stars Charlie Saron, who disappears into looking into Megan Kelly. Mm. Like Megan Kelly and Charlie Saron could not believe differently <laughs> about everything in life. Um, but like Charlie Saron um, and Megan Kelly both put aside personal differences to tell this story, which wow. I think is really, really cool. Mm. Um, Nicole Kidman is pitch perfect as Gretchen Carlson, the woman who really started the Me Too movement in reality. Um, she she came out um, it, while being on air of Fox and Friends and was writing down the things men were saying to her off camera and saying about her and actually started secretly recording her interviews with the head of Fox News. Um, and so, like, but she ended up having to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, which means she couldn't really talk to anyone about it, but she found a loophole and this film was made about the whole thing. Mm. Um, and then Margot Robbie plays a woman named Kayla Popsicil, which is a made-up fictional woman, oh. but made from real stories of other women who worked at Fox News. Gotcha. Um, so her character's name is fake, but everything that happened to her character is actual stories from women who worked at Fox News. Wow. And, and there is a scene in this movie where... Um, Kayla or Margot Robbie's character is going in to see the head of Fox News, keep talking to him about it, 
and and like the guy's big thing is like everything's about legs women need that's why there's clear desks at there were clear desks at fox news women who are on screen weren't allowed to wear pants they all to wear dresses so that uh. men could see their legs through the desks um and like he keeps telling her to like just pull your skirt up a little bit just a little bit just a little bit and it's so uncomfortable but it actually happened to a woman wow and at one point in the movie they, um, the screen goes black and then women's real, real life, real women's faces, not characters start appearing on screen with audio recordings of the women saying things that happened to them wow. at Fox News. And, and it was me, my friend Tom, we're the only men in the theater. Yeah. Actually, no, there were a few other men, but all the other men were over 45. <laughs> and some of the men as we were leaving the theater were like, oh, I can't believe women would make all this stuff up just to get a story out, just to get famous. Wow. And that, oof, that's a whole different type of conversation. Right, right. But this movie, Bombshell, is the fastest movie, one of the fastest movies I've ever seen. It's two hours, but it feels like 30 minutes. Wow. And it is so beautifully acted, wonderfully directed. The script is sharp, and it's tight, and it's just like, here's facts, here's what happened, here's stuff that happened at Fox News, here's things that went down, and I don't know how... People could still, like, I don't mean to be super political about this one, but, like, I don't know how you can still watch Fox News as a Christian knowing that these things actually happened. Mm. And I was so, going into 2019, Bombshell was, like, my Star Wars, my Marvel. Right. Because I followed this story while I was in college, like, late college, grad school, like, following the story every day on the news, on Twitter, reading articles from, like, third parties, not just CNN, not just Fox, like, reading everything, following these women following the destruction of Fox News and these women's lives. Yeah. And, like, to see it put to screen and told in a very respectful manner towards these women and about these women and for these women. I don't know what else I need to say about this, but if you are, like, if you want to see a movie about something that really happened in real life... Mm. And that's not just a horror movie being like, oh, it's based on a true story, haha. Right. This movie being like, this actually happened like three, four years ago. Yeah. This actually happened to dozens, if not a hundred women. Yeah. Wild. And like, it's wild. Yeah. And it is not getting the attention it deserves. This film is an incredible piece of of work. Yeah. In the best way possible. Mm. But like man, after that film, I was just, like, I sat there for a few minutes, just, like, feeling like I needed to catch my breath. Right. So good. Wild. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You need to take Sydney to go see it. Yeah, she would love it, I mm-hmm. think. And yeah. I, I really would want to see it, so. What's your number two? Yeah, so my number two is something I've talked about on the podcast before, but my number two for this year, <clears throat> this past year, is Jojo Rabbit. Um, I, I love... I, I love this movie. I really did. Like... It's a story about love, affection, and really what hate does to people mm. and to the world around us. Um, and honestly, this movie was had me like trapped in from beginning to end. Like my eyes were locked on the screen. Wow. Smiles, frowns, crying, laughing, like it's all over the place. And the fact that Taika Waititi can take Hitler, somebody that is a horrible person that did horrible things that that is pretty much universally like known as the bad guy and you laugh at him because he makes so much fun of him in the movie throughout that's pretty amazing that you can do something like that um and 
the fact that Hitler, like, Jojo takes out Hitler by the end of the movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Spoilers, but, I didn't see it! I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <It's fine>. I, <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this, this movie, it just brings a unique vision of the eyes of a child in World War II. And so specifically a child living in Germany and just how much he is fed in that the, that Nazism is right and that this is the best thing and that the Nazis are doing the right thing. And that kind of reflects just how we take in media and how we can, how we should selectively take in what is true and what is right, you know, um, because his mom, Jojo's mom tells him throughout the movie that you are, I love you so much. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you that Nazism is wrong because I'll get killed for it, but Nazism is wrong. And you find out that she's hiding a Jew in their house with her son, mm-hmm. who they are telling that the kids that Jews are like basically demons that have wings and that have sharp teeth and stuff like that. And he has to learn to cope with this knowledge and if it's the right thing to do to report it or not. And the reality is he has to figure out what is true. Is it what everybody else is telling him? Or is it what he knows deep down is true? Um, And that's really that love is worth what is fighting for. And I think that the world would tell us that love is kind of like the surreal thing that kind of like is all around us or whatever. But as a Christian, we Mm -hmm. know that love is what Christ has given us and specifically through his death. And um, there's one, two verses that I just want to read real quick in terms of truth and love. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him if you abide in my word you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free that's john 8 31 and 32 Mm -hmm. and that is enough of where to understand that our truth comes from christ and that is his love Mm -hmm. and this movie it's like i said joyable sad um but ultimately comes out with a lesson of it is you have to understand what is true and people can change so yeah it's good i love this movie if you haven't seen it Watch it as soon as you can. Yeah, so. I would say the same for same for Bombshell and like the biblical lesson is, is that like women are important to society. They are equal standing. They are yes, God designed Eve to be a helpmate, but not that does not make her less than. Hmm. And in this movie, the way that Fox treated them is that they were less than creatures, not even like beings. That they were less than creatures, just there to draw in an audience. Mm. And the way that. The way that things are gone about and, and discussed and fought for is, isn't is what you would think from someone like Charlize Theron or Nicole Kidman or Margot Robbie who tend to be more like outspoken on things and like let's hammer things home is so respectful. Yes. And it doesn't make men, it does not paint men as an enemy. Mm. It says, hey, we're real, we're here, this is happening, please listen. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of biblical connotations to just sitting down and listening. Yeah. To when someone brings out pain to you, mm. which goes into love and how do we love others? Amen. Yeah. Similar to, to Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, those are some, that's crazy. Yeah. Number twos. Wow. Wow. Some doozies. <laughs> wow, Kyle. Those uh, those were, those were some heavy films, I think. But uh, let's get into these number ones. <laughs> I'm excited because they're so much lighter. I know, right? <laughs> Kyle, take it away. Okay, so my number one film of 2019. Is Little Women. Oh, wow. Wow. Little... Little Women. Little freaking women. Little little freaking women, man. Um, Everything Alex said about Little Women, um, it's an abomination that it's so low on his list. What, it was your number five? Three. Is your number three? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything he said about Saoirse Ronan's performance... um, 
is when she says that thing when she when she was like women are smart we have hearts and minds and funny all this stuff and then she goes and I'm lonely oh broke me in two still not the most like gut-wrenching moment in film of 2019 for me but real close mm. but I want to um, point out Greta Gerwig as the writer-director. I've never seen a Little Women. I have not read Little Women. I'm going to read Little Women now. It's one of the 36 books I'm planning to read this year. Um, but Greta Gerwig is quickly becoming an A-tier A-list director with the things that she does. If you have not seen Lady Bird, you need to go see, go to a Redbox, go to Target, go somewhere, and just buy it. It's on Amazon Prime, I think. It, yes, it is on Amazon Prime. Yeah. If you have Amazon Prime, watch Lady Bird tonight. And then go see Little Women, and then tell me that Greta Gerwig is not one of the best directors working right now. Mm. The way that she decides to tell stories, the way she moves cameras and blocks scenes, especially in Little Women, because there's so many people all the time, all at once, talking, interacting, different relationships being built. Like, there's a scene where they first walk over to Lori's house after Amy's had her hand beat at school, and, like, 17 different relationships all start. Not 17, but, like, five different relationships start and take place, as well as different dynamics of family. And it's all careful blocking. And there's people constantly delivering line after line after line after line perfectly. Mm. That she directed the crap out of that. And the blocking is, and the staging is so well done. Yeah. Um, but I want to point out um, Florence Pugh once again. Because the actresses and the actors, everyone in the film plays their younger self when they're children and their older self. Which is impressive. Which right. is so impressive. And Florence Pugh has the most asked of her. Mm. Because when she's young Amy, she's this brat, she's this wild, outspoken, like stomps her feet and is like your average child, like this spoiled child. But she doesn't overplay it. She plays it in a way that's so believable because I was annoyed by young Amy. I'm like, I'm so annoyed. But then she gives this speech to Timothy Chalamet's Lori when they're in Paris. And she's like, don't you tell me that marriage is not an economic proposition. Because I am a woman. I have no right to my own money. I have no job. And when I marry my husband, all of my belongings become his possession. I become his possession. My children will not be my own. They will be his children. So don't you look at me and you tell me that marriage is not an economic proposition. Hmm. And that is the way women were treated in that time. Right. And that's why Joe freaks out. And she's like, women have hearts and minds. We breathe. We're funny. We're intelligent. And I'm lonely, mom. And it's because... She's realized that Lori, who she loved when they were young, fell in love with her sister, Amy, when they were older. Yeah. And who does she have now? Because Meg fell in love when they were young and got married young and has a family. And Joe always didn't want that for her. And then Beth is dead. Mm. And Beth was the only one who was always confident and comfortable in the life that she had. All of the other little women wanted more. And Beth was like... I got you and I got my piano. What else does the Lord need to give me? Yep. And like, whoo, we could all learn a lesson from Beth. Yep. But Little Women has the, the best female acting of the past five to six years. Yep. In Saoirse Ronan's Joe and Florence Pugh's Amy. Mm. And I have not cried that hard at a movie silently. <laughs> yeah. um, I 
since I saw Hostiles three years ago. Mm. Like, this film ripped me apart. Like you said, it stabs you in the heart, gives it a hug, stabs it again, and then puts it back together. Yep. And the biblical connotations of little women, of just like I said with Bombshell, I feel like women are in equal standing here. Mm. They deserve to be looked at as human beings, to be loved and cared for, and to allow to them to love and care for you in return. Yeah. They are not an economic proposition. They are more than just get married, have babies, clean your house. They are more than just like, hey, go get me a cup of coffee, or, or wow, that's a really nice idea. Like, the fact that Joe didn't even want her character in her book to be married at the end. Right. Because still society would take that as, like, that's all she's good for. Right. Still resonates today. Yeah. The fact that Little Women, written, is an American classic, 100, well, 100 years ago, I don't know when it was written, <laughs> but has had four films, mm. and this one take place when the book was written, but be the most relevant film of 2020. Yeah. Right next to Joker. <laughs> Yeah. Says something about where we are as a society and how far we have not come. Yeah. And even as Christians looking at women equally. Mm. Little Women, even though I saw it in 2020, right. came out in 2019, my best film of 2019. Yep. Not even close to anything else. <laughs> not even close. Yeah. Nice. What's your number one? My number one, I think, actually will legitimately shock people. Um, I, I think it shocked Kyle. It's, my number one is Marriage Story. Um, I, ever since we saw ever since I watched it on Netflix and watched it with my wife, and then Kyle and I talked about it, like, I still think about this movie, like, a few times a week, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talked already about this, and so I don't want to, I would rather you go listen to uh, yeah. the podcast that we talked about. It's only about a couple it. episodes ago. Right. Um, because I think we go a little bit more in depth with it, but mm-hmm. I. This this movie just I I felt for these characters like I I was there sitting with them in every room, and every argument and every uh, every time they're separate and trying to figure things out, you feel like you're sitting there with them. Um, and the scenes where it's with the lawyers, um, it just frustrates me to no end that marriage has become something that is just part of like life. It's just not it's not special. It's just the next thing that you do in life. If you're dating somebody, you're obviously got to get married cuz that's what's the next step to a successful American life or whatever it is. And if you want to get divorced, that's just another step in it too cuz you could just get remarried. And they're just treating it like it's this commodity and it's just like an everyday thing for people to get divorced and it frustrates me to no end because this movie Starts and starts the movie with talking about what love looks like in terms of like we talk about it in that that episode of the podcast, but like even the little annoyances in life is why I love you, you know. Like there's these significant things that they talk about, and then it goes through this whole like economic like we have to like spend all this money to get a divorce, and it becomes these people are making money from our divorce. And then the fight scene, which I know, like Kyle said, on social media, people have been pulling that out of context. But man, like when they're going at it and you could tell tensions just keep rising, like things just start coming out that they that they just have been holding back. And then Adam Driver, his character, which both of these characters, Scarlett Johansson, 
She, at this point, she can really do no wrong for me. I have not seen her do anything really that I've not liked. But Adam Driver, I've really only been exposed to him in Star Wars. I really like him in Black Klansman, but I really only, the big part was Star Wars. And in this movie, like, when he says, like, I hate you and I wish you were dead, and then he just drops to the floor in tears, like, he does not, I don't think he means that. And, like, she wordlessly forgives him. Right. Like, she goes to his side. She knows he does not mean that. Right. And he... Oh my gosh! Um, and he—it's—it's—it's uh, it's ha- it's almost happening. Um, We're gonna get a It's—it's—you could tell that he is just so full of frustration and anger that he's been holding up because he does not want this to end. And I think he's starting to realize some of his mistakes in the way that he might not have been loving her as well as he could have in the past. And it's all of a sudden it's starting to well up and he wants to fix it, but he doesn't know how. And it's all this stuff that's coming in. It just keeps coming in fast. It just, all of a sudden it just explodes. And those letters or those lists that they read at the beginning, like I was like, that's very touching. And then he picks it up at the end and I was just gone. My heart was just broken. If they would have just read these and sat in that counseling room with that guy it, this movie wouldn't have happened. They probably would have had to work through some of this stuff. Obviously, they would have. Right. But it wouldn't have ended in divorce. Mm-hmm. And when he ties her shoe at the end, and they both go their separate ways, and he says, bye. I'm like, Dang it. Like, just give, just give her a hug, you know? The acting is so good, and I think that this movie has finally taken a step to say that marriage is significant. And I reference some passages in that podcast mm-hmm. specifically the one in Hebrews about the fact that marriage is good and it's important mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you have to I don't think the Bible in that verse that passage is saying you have to get married but if you do you have to hold it in high regard Yeah, I love this movie much more than I thought I would mm-hmm. and I said I wouldn't see it again and I think I'm probably going to watch it pretty soon again <laughs> Yeah. So it's much may- lower on my list. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like an eight or nine. It might. I wonder if it has to do with the fact that I'm kind of like falling into this world, like the marriage world, so soon and stuff. But or because I have, I don't know. But that is my number one movie of 2019. Mm-hmm. Love it. He didn't cry, guys. That was close. It was so close. <laughs> I'm mad now. <laughs> Dang it. Starts playing Marriage Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! Dang, you gotta cry soon. Come on! I'm look. I'm staring at you. <laughs> I can't. I can't now unless you start reading those lists. Uh, I won't do it to you. Uh, thank you. Yet. <laughs> Critical. Critical. Alex, what? What was your big lesson from film in 2020? Um, I think mine was, and I'm just kind of thinking through this now, is that relationships are significant. And I, I'm thinking through all of, and obviously that's something that we know, but all five of my top movies have to do with some sort of being relational with somebody else. And that's specifically about what love looks like. And I think mm-hmm. recently, especially in the age that we're in, relationships have kind of been downgraded to social media or how can I look my best or putting the best of yourself on I was going to say Instagram. relationships downgraded to there are none. It's just about you. Exactly. Yeah. And like even I go when I would go to overseas and, and to London, like on mission, um, and I would kind of see where they're at. Um, 
the, they talk to people and then they go home or they go to the pub and they drink and then they go home to their life by themselves mm-hmm. because they just do that because it's it's a part of your life it's a part of what you do every day but they don't actually mean anything mm-hmm. and i think looking through all of mine there is significance to relationships and i think god puts people in lives for a reason and he wants you to build relationships. And I'm thinking of somebody specific in my life right now that I have been friends with for a long time and that I want him to come to Christ. I, I want him to come to faith. And it doesn't mean I abandon a relationship or make it like an everyday thing, but I make it significant. Mm. Marriage story. I think about Sydney. I think about my wife. That is not just another part of life. That is significant and the Bible talks mm-hmm. about that. I mentioned the Hebrews passage already, but our relationship, we are like one flesh now. Mm-hmm. We are one flesh. Mm-hmm. Um and then like Ad Astra, like family relationships. Be content and take care of who you have now. Fan friends, family, whoever it is, because that is important to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then Jojo Rabbit with love. Um love is what brings us all together, and the love that brings us all together is Christ. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, that will come to fruition in a future day when we see Christ come again and we get to be at our Lord's side yeah. for eternity. Yeah. Relationships, and specifically loving one another, is the big thing that I took from 2019. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Kyle, what about you? I think my, my big lesson from 2020. 20, I almost said 2020 films from uh, films of 2019 that I got to see um, is purpose. Mm. Um, and, and there's a lot of relational relations in that. But when I say purpose, I, I say that when I think about Bombshell, these women felt like they had no hope. And so they felt like they had no purpose, but then their purpose became to just dismantle something together. When I think about, when I think about Joker, this man had no hope. He was searching for hope. And in that hope, he thought he would find it in other people. I'll tell you what, Fox News still has a lot of issues. I'll tell you what, the mentally ill still have a lot of issues and society still has a lot of systemic problems. Us, back in March, called out redlining, called out systemic racism, Mm. and called out thinking, a lot of white culture thinking, a lot of black people are just all the same. That's mm. why they had doppelgangers. Yeah. That's why that's what they were focused on. Mm. And and when I think about little women, still how far we have to come as a Christian community to look at women as equals in Christ. Mm. Not just the people the, the the sisters who will go make the coffee or set the table or will have their little women's ministry, but we'll tell them what they can and can't study. Mm. Like, the fact that, like, there are still sects of society that have no voice, that are screaming and crying out to be heard and to be treated with equal standing, and that is what, and those are the people that Christ came for. Christ did not come to set up a political regime and be king politically. Christ came to seek and save the lost. Christ came to those outer realms of society. He came to the mentally ill. He came to the women. He came to the women who were outcasts. The very line of David from which Christ came was started by Ruth, Mm. who was a Moabite. Yep who was looked down upon by the Israelites. And she marries Boaz, her kinsman redeemer, who starts the line of David that Jesus comes from. Mm. 
And who's Jesus born to? A teenage, unwed mother. Mm. And now here we have in 2019, all of these outcast realms of society saying, excuse us, but we're important. Mm. And our stories that we have to tell are important. Yep. The Farewell, which is in my top 10, with Aquafina, mm. saying, hey, Asian Americans exist. We're over here. Yeah. We have stories to tell, too. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that that just simply say, telling your story is the important part, and that's your hope. But I'm saying that's what I saw in 2020. Yeah. In 2019. In 2019 <laughs> is, is just small, outcast, outer realm portions of society saying, hello, we're here. Yeah. Stop making the films that we already have. Martin Scorsese yeah, yeah. and a lot of other directors that are getting nominated. Let's look at what Bong Joon-ho is doing with Parasite, Todd Phillips, Greta Gerwig, the women who made Bombshell, and let's look at all these things, Jordan Peele, and let's let society breathe. Mm. Yeah. Because we're all a part of it, and Jesus Christ came for all, not just the white man. Yeah. Mm. And I think that is what a lot of 2019 American filmmaking is, is speaking to. Yep. And that's the lesson that I learned in 2019 from film. Awesome. Not to say that I didn't already believe that. <laughs> right, right. But it was very much so cemented in a, in a lot of ways. Amen. Critical. Critical. Alex, <laughs> what are you most looking forward to in the first half, probably, yeah. of 2020 in film? So three movies I'm gonna go with. Um, my f- my first one that I'm gonna mention is No Time to Die. Ooh, James Bond. Yeah, like James Bond, I think. He's... Phoebe Waller Bridge yes. was into rewrite that script to make it funnier, make it punchier, and also you can catch her now on Fleabag on Amazon Prime. Kyle had huge regrets they didn't mention Fleabag earlier. So, but once I heard you're gonna mention uh, No Time to Die, I was like, segue, segue, yeah, segue. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Um, right now, James Bond is on track record for like good movie, not so good. Good movie, not so good. And we're on to good movie again, so... Uh, I'm hoping. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Um, the next one that I have is kind of like a shot in the dark. Um, mm-hmm. Antlers. Ooh! Yeah. So this is um, by the director of Hostels. Um, and what's his name? I forget. Oh, it's on my tongue. But the, a lot of the character design, especially for the monster that's in it, mm-hmm. is Guillermo del Toro. Yeah. Which his, he makes beautiful monsters, mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds. He so, does. He does. That's, that's yeah. so true. Um, so I'm very... I'm Scott hopeful. Cooper. Scott Cooper, thank you. I'm hopeful for that movie. It might not be great, but I think... Carrie Russell's the star? Yep. Why didn't I know that? There's a lot of uh, good stuff behind it, so I'm mm-hmm. like, I have hope. But my last one... Which I don't think is a mystery, the one I'm most excited for. I don't think it's a mystery to really anybody once I say it. Tenet by it's Christopher Nolan. It's not a mystery Nolan. once you say it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I feel like people are like, which one is he going to say? Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm, well, obviously Christopher Nolan behind it. Um, I love, um, oh, what's his first name? Denzel Washington's son from Black Klansman. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of his first name right now. Um, but I'm very excited for that movie. I love him and Black Klansman. Robert Pattinson's in it. He awkwardly looks a lot like how Christopher Nolan looks. John David. John David Washington, thank you. Um, he looks a lot like Christopher Nolan. But just the... It's a classic Christopher Nolan trailer first one. A lot of intrigue. You have no idea what's happening. Like, there's there's that one little gimmick that's gonna, like, 
he's going to take it home with. And I will probably love this movie because he's going back to Christopher Nolan. It. Mm-hmm. It's not Dunkirk. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but let's. All right, I'll throw it to Kyle. What's yours? Let's hear. Let's hear yours. Okay. Birds of Prey, uh-huh. the fantabulous okay. emancipation of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> I'm so excited for her. I love Harley Quinn. I love Margot Robbie. Yep. Um, Mulan. Oh. Cannot wait for Mulan. Can't come soon enough. Like, the fact that they stripped out all the music, yep. that they have put in the witch that's closely... that Like, they, they've made it closer to the legend of Mulan. No Mushu. And that they've filmed it, like, in an epic Mandarin epic piece that it is like Ooh. I'm so ready for that it's gonna be so so good preach it and even though there's all the controversy in Hong Kong and the police and in that the main actress came out in support of the police I think I she was told that. to do that by politics and stuff but yeah. that's beside the point um Black Widow. Yep. I'm so excited for I'm going past three here. <laughs> Quiet Place Part 2. Yeah. I'm so ready for Last of Us Part um, 1. The New Mutants looks interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm really kind of intrigued by that. Um, uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Yep. Come yep. on. That's going to be so fun. Last Night in Soho, a little indie horror film. I'm very excited. I didn't yeah. know it was Edgar Directed Wright. Directed by Edgar Wright. Sorry, Anya Taylor-Joy. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, I'm going to shout out Halloween Kills. Let's go. Let's I'm go. so ready. Then the sequel comes out next year, too. Yeah. Yep. They're just they're just boom, 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 right doing it. But the, um, the best film of 2020 will be, and if this film does not live up to what it can be and will be, I may never watch a movie again. That's not true. But, like... <laughs> Will I will cry not because like if this film tanks, <laughs> I don't care if it tanks box office, but if it tanks critically and it's just a bad movie, yeah, I will lose my mind. <laughs> Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. Kristen Wiig as Cheetah, let's go. I'm so ready. Pedro Pascal as some mm. weird business guy with a He's plan. a good villain. I know yeah. who he is, yeah. And Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Yep. What more do you want besides Chris Pine's face? And the 1984... We're... is a big year That's for America. awesome. Right? Yeah. So... <laughs> I'm so... I've never been more nervous for a movie in my life. Yeah. Never. Because... Gosh dang. Hey, that I'm looking at it right now though, that poster for that movie is awesome. Yeah. Eye popping with the gold suit, yeah. which is from the comics. From the comics. I'm very excited. Yeah, I think the best posters right now for twenty twenty are Mulan, Wonder Woman, and Black Widow. Yeah. Those posters. It's gonna be I'm very excited for this year of female action heroes. There's a lot at of twenty twenty. Yeah. Harley Quinn, Mulan, Wonder Woman, and Black Widow all come out within the first six months of this of this year. Crazy. So I'm gonna be going to the movies a lot. Uh, yeah, more than thirty times. Yeah. Right, <laughs> my bank account <laughs> can't pay my rent. Why? Cause I saw the movie ten thousand times. Whew! What a year it's gonna right. be for films. I'm so excited. Me too. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for joining us on this long journey of films in 2019 and what we're looking forward to this year in film and as well as the big biblical lessons that we took away from film in 2019. Thank you for being with us in 2019, giving Mm. us some listens and some shout outs. Look forward to some more biblical criticism of film, potentially books, maybe some video games, and we're going to get a little political this year because we have no choice. Kyle, you're making me sweat a little bit. Good. (laughs) 
<laughs> so if you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, just search for at the Critical Millennial on both Twitter and Instagram. Look for that purple and gold X, and remember that X marks the spot of the critical hits by the Critical Mills. It's been a wonderful 2019, and we can't wait for 2020. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Manini. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, the critical millennial!